Well, what's funny is there is another location of Gideon's in, you know, the Orlando area that has no line. So if you've got a rental car, it's like get in your car and drive there and you can get your cookie in like five minutes. Right. So. You'll get it faster with the driving than you will if you're at Disney Springs waiting in a queue for like three or four hours. It won't have the pixie dust in it, but that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And tonight we are really excited to be welcoming a celebrity Disney podcaster onto our show. His show has got to make at least my top five, if many people's top five of Disney podcasts out there. So I want to start by welcoming Mike Rahman, the host of the Be Our Guest podcast to our show. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much. Excited to be here and uh, talk all things Disney, but mostly cruising because I miss I miss those four ships right about now. Oh, yeah. Us too. We're dying to get back on. Mike, we always like to start with our guest's Disney background to help orient our listeners to where your passion from Disney started or comes from. So do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with Disney in terms of going to the parks, being on the cruise line, that sort of stuff? Sure. You know, mine's a little bit different than most folks that are in the Disney community that are probably listening to this show and have this uh, this great backstory of, you know, my parents took me when I was, you know, six months old and I've been going every year since I was in elementary school. You know, I wish I had that, but I don't. I should go back there. I got for Christmas this past year, my dad gave me, and it was a great gift, a external hard drive with pictures from my childhood. And my parents had gotten divorced when I was in college. So a lot of my stuff, you know, the old snapshots and stuff like that kind of got divided up. I didn't know where they ended up. Well, he found a bunch of them and scanned them in on this external hard drive. And come to find out, you know, my first birthday cake was Mickey Mouse. And, you know, and I had all these, you know, things when I was two or three. I have more Disney stuff in my life that I, than I realized when I was young. But I, ne- I didn't get down to Walt Disney World until I was in fifth grade. And the reason we went down that time, and it was a quick half a day trip to the Magic Kingdom, was because my dad went to church with a guy who pitched for the Philadelphia Phillies. Again, long story, but 1981, there was, a, there was a baseball strike. My dad was in a Sunday school class with a pitcher for the Phillies, and he needed somebody to catch him during the, the baseball strikes. So my dad's like, he's like, I'll give him a shot. And so my dad's catching this guy. He ends up winning the Cy Young Award in 83, so he's a good pitcher. But anyway, they went down for spring training in 85, and he needed somebody to drive his dogs from Clearwater, where they had spring training, up to uh, Philadelphia when the season started. So we flew our family that down. We drove his van and his two poodles to Philadelphia. <laughs> Not to go to Walt Disney World one day. And so we went to the Magic Kingdom. I remembered it rained, but I remember the monorail was my favorite thing of all time. And it was just, it was an amazing thing. And it stuck with me. Like even that half day, just going into the shops, they were so much better than our hometown Six Flags. The rides were so much better. Everything was just so neat there. And I didn't get a chance to go back until out of college. I went back for the first time and really kind of fell in love with like, you know, the adult side of things where it was more like the infrastructure and how many hotels there were and how perfect manicured the medians and the roads are and how the purple road signs they're all uniform stuff like that you know the the infrastructure of the whole resort really kind of grabbed me that time and it's uh it's kind of what keeps me going back i just love the bubble in the experience but you know i didn't have that growing up but i'm trying to make up for it right now (laughs) well mike in terms of your more recent experience i mean how often do you go down to the parks and what's your experience been like with the cruise line here recently 
So I go down probably three or four times a year to Walt Disney World for different events. I always, <laughs> I shouldn't say always anymore, 2020. Um, <laughs> I do uh, go for the race weekends for Run Disney. I always run uh, the, the Dopey Challenge in January. I typically try to jump in for Princess in February because you're already trained up in January. Six weeks later, hey, go down, you're already trained. Um, <laughs> A lot of years I'll do Star Wars and then Wine and Dine, sometimes maybe not. But uh, we always go down for about 10 days in the summer as a family vacation and just we vacation. We typically will tag on a Disney cruise, usually a Bahamian or a Caribbean cruise on the dream of the fantasy to that. And, you know, we'll be gone for a couple of weeks. My wife's a teacher. I work as I work in travel. So I get to have a little bit of flexibility in my uh, when I can vacation. But yeah, you know, the cruises happen typically once a year, but we go to Walt Disney World probably three or four times times a year. Sometimes I go down to do some stuff with Give Kids the World. So that'll be like a little extra weekend. But uh, yeah, pretty often, about every three or four months. Well, let's talk a little bit about your your podcast, Mike. So how long ago did you start the Be Our Guest podcast? I guess we start there. So the podcast started in March of 2008. So um, my daughter was born in January of 2008. So she was two months old. She's now a teenager and has Instagram. So that tells you how <laughs> long we've been doing this. Uh, about as long as the iPhone uh, came out and made it really easy for folks to consume content like this. But yeah, it'll be 13 years in March. Before I worked in travel, I was an elementary school teacher. I taught sixth grade and, you know, a lot of project-based stuff. Loved doing that kind of stuff with my class. And and I ended up teaching gifted education, got moved over to the gifted center, and that was all project-based. So I listened to podcasts and I loved them because I'm I'm a talk radio guy. I'm a nerd. You know, I'm I'm not a music guy. And so I thought, you know, I'd love to give a podcast a shot. And so I'd learned about it, you know, as it was kind of first starting out 2006, 2007. Did a project with my students at the Gifted Center. I said, you know, research a topic, pick your topic, and you got to make a podcast about it. And it has to have X, Y, and Z. It's got to have an intro and outro. It's got to have, you know, a couple snippets of, you know, um, primary source audio, give, you know, 12 facts or something and interview somebody, then you have to edit it all down in GarageBand because we have Macs in the classroom and stuff like that. And I, you know, it was really cool. And so as, a, as an example, I put together a podcast and I told them, find something you're passionate about. And so I, you know, is this my example? I did Disney. And so basically the Be Our Guest podcast came out of a sample project with my sixth graders and <laughs> I decided, hey, well, let's try to keep this going. So that's uh, so cool. What a great idea. <laughs> it's, it's totally changed my life, to be honest. Well, now you're putting out, you, you guys hit a thousand episodes recently. Is that, am I got that right? Maybe in, in my recently, by the way, uh, I'm in like the COVID time parallax. So, <laughs> so, but you guys are up over a thousand episodes. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, actually, we're at about 1830 right now. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're homing in on 2000 here soon, I'm hoping. Um, no, but uh, yeah, we, we typically do between three and four shows a week. Mondays, a guest comes on and, and gives a trip report. Wednesdays, we answer questions. Fridays, Ricky and Pam, my two co-hosts, they uh, we do a kind of a roundtable discussion. And then on Sunday nights, we have a live call-in show and just discuss the week's news. And I put that out the next Thursday for people that, that couldn't tune in live. So it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's busy. It's a lot, but it's a lot of fun at the same same time. Well, if it's something you're passionate about, it's not work, right? Uh, it's work sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Post-production, uh, yeah, not so fun, but it, it's all right. Well, so Mike, I want to ask you, what's your favorite part of doing the podcast? Or maybe let me put it this way. What, what's, what's one of your favorite things about doing it? And maybe what's one thing that you didn't realize about doing it when you got into it that now you, you wish you'd known? That's a great question. So I would say that the best part of doing the podcast is, you know, we, we've had so many... 
opportunities because of the podcast, because of the show, I've been able to go down to some media events with Disney. You know, I was there when they opened Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and, and Toy Story Land. And I've been to these things. And I know some of the folks that are from traditional media, they just, they don't get it. You know, they're there from like the Washington Post or, you know, some kind of traditional media. It's fun. They're covering it for their, for their outlet. But, you know, like, I'm like, oh my God, like we're, we're Toy Story Land. My head was, you know, I'm a fan. Like I was, I, I was so blessed to be there. So stuff like that. And also kind of getting with the cruise line. One of the coolest things we've ever gotten to do is that every other year we have a podcast cruise. So we will get on one of the Disney Cruise Line ships and we'll cruise with our listeners for a week. And, you know, we'll, we'll have events on Castaway Key. We'll rent out Hideaway or, you know, we'll, one of the bars and have a private meetup there. We'll do the 5K. We broadcast from either Evolution or, you know, whatever ship we're on. We, the adult club, we usually have a, have a, a live podcast meet in there and, and record a show. And it's just, uh, you know, have dinner together every night. It's, it is so much fun. And we've had so many opportunities like that over the, over the years. And, you know, when you get together with other folks that are crazy enough to listen to a Disney podcast. <laughs> You're a special breed already, right? I mean, it's good. You can speak the language. You can talk ADRs and, you know, uh, you know, we got to get on the TTA, but don't go right. to the TTC. You know, they're, they don't, they're, they're, you know, we got to talk about that kind of stuff. So it's fun. And because of the show, we can reach an audience all around the world and get together. And, you know, you have friends on the other side of the, the planet that you would have never met otherwise. Absolutely. That's our, one of our favorite. I mean, one of our favorite parts about running our podcast is the friends that we've made, the relationships that we've built. And if COVID hadn't gotten in the way, we would have already been on some cruises with some of our friends in the podcasting community and, and some meetups and whatnot at the park. So we're looking forward to, to being able to do those things. But I think that's that's been one of our favorite parts and probably actually our favorite. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I will say I have this memory of the, these two sisters and one of them. Now, they were younger. They were probably in high school and college at the time. One is now an orthopedic surgeon down in Florida because I follow her on Instagram. She's the older sister and her younger sister is a couple years younger. And I, this was not too long after the podcast started. We're just on our summer vacation, my wife and my daughters, and just walking through Epcot. We're in Norway. And I forgot like we were doing. We're getting something to eat or a snack or something. And this girl comes up and taps me on the shoulder. Are you Mike? Yeah. Or, I don't know. Know you though, I don't know. Oh, we love your podcast. That's the first time anybody came up and said they listened to my podcast in person. Like, can we get a picture? I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have in front of my wife and girls. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. And it was so weird, but it was so awesome. Well, so like to circle back, did have you learned anything about this in terms of you know something that you wish you'd known going into it that now you've you've discovered doing this podcast for so long? So I'll say, you know, at the very beginning, you're, you're so nervous about everything when you start a podcast, right? Because you've listened to other shows and you think, wow, they're so good at it. And, and there's so many shows out there that are really good at a lot of things. Like, for example, you got Nate and Matt from Wedway Radio. They do like a Disney history podcast. They're from out by Kansas City and down by Springfield. I can kind of relate to them because they've had kind of the same upbringing when they talk about it on the show, but they do a ton of research. They really have great audio. It always sounds great. It's always full of good information information. You know, when you finish a show, you feel like you've learned something, you've hung out with friends and you've, you didn't have to struggle to like listen to anything. It sounded great. And so when you, when you start a podcast, you always want to hold yourself to that super high standard, which I try to do with every show. But also at the same time, I think too, what I've learned is that, you know, you have to be authentic and you have to get your content out there and don't hide who you are. You know, like I always wanted to, you know, you got to be the the radio guy. You got to be, you know, that you got to fit the persona. But I mean, honestly, I'm a, 
you know, a, a dad in my mid forties and I like Disney. I like to run, you know, I have two daughters. One's the grad assistant for the Mizzou basketball team. I have another one that's daughter that's into cheerleading. And you know what? Some people probably say, yeah, we don't need to hear about that on the show, but you know, I, that, that's my life story. And it interweaves all the Disney vacations and all the Disney planning. You know, it's like, I, I can do this today because they're out cheerleading in Indy. So it's one of those things that I think at the beginning, like you want to script everything, you want to have absolute control, but I think you got to trust that after a little bit, your listenership will enjoy just hearing about the content first, but also not, don't be afraid to talk about who you are and what makes you. Because without my daughters and my wife, I wouldn't appreciate Disney in the same way. And I think the important thing to relate to, because you know, not everybody's going to relate to our show, but I mean, I think there are a lot of dads and, and other folks out there that, that kind of relate. We have every different kind of listener and it's awesome because we can all learn from each other and we can all kind of get different perspectives. You know, we all have our different takes on things and it's kind of interesting to hear what people that do things differently than you do, you know, like I know what my perspective is. It's kind of fun to sometimes step back and learn and hear different perspectives. And we do a lot of that on the show, which I really like. Well, Mike, I know you're a parks enthusiast because you go down quite a bit. Wanted to ask you about what you're seeing today from Disney during the COVID period, but more from the standpoint of, you know, what are you missing right now? I know you've been down to the parks. You know, what is Disney not brought back that you're really looking forward to them bringing back? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, actually, here and this is where I'm a little bit different than everybody else because no one's really asked me this. But what I'm really missing is just the normalcy of a packed park. I, I went down in August, three weeks after they reopened. I took my youngest daughter, and man, we had a blast because we met my buddy Scott and his and his family were down there at the same time. It was it was like you were a rock star. You didn't wait for anything in August. You just went on whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. And it was, it was just, it was incredible. And the thing was, that was fun, but the park hours were super short and you were missing, like I couldn't get a Casey's, I couldn't go to Casey's and get my corn dog nuggets. I couldn't go to Columbia Harbor House and get my, you know, shrimp basket and things like that. I couldn't go to the plaza and get ice cream. So the thing was, while it was awesome, there were still some of my favorite things that were unavailable. So what I'm really looking forward to and what I hope happens, and you know, this isn't for everybody, but I mean, I don't mind crowds. I go to Epcot on New Year's Eve. And I mean, it's a nut house. It's like survival. You got to think about when you're going to go to the bathroom and you just got to find somewhere to eat. Like, I mean, even if you got to get white rice over in China, you just want to eat. You don't care. Just what's got the shortest line. There's an energy and there's like a heartbeat to Walt Disney World when it's when it's busy, when it's, you know, that's why we go in the summer. It's crowded. But I mean, at the end of the night, you have fireworks. You have some kind of a parade or some kind of, you know, other entertainment, live entertainment. I'm missing that. Not to say that you can't have a great time right Right now because you can the character cavalcades they are they're awesome they're great you know and they're they're fun and they've really done a good job with meeting the characters there they're bringing back dining as they can but the thing i'm missing is just that that 2019 busy park experience because I don't mind the crowds because I think the other guests are kind of the heartbeat of the theme parks mm -hmm. even though you gotta wait behind them in lines when they're not there it feels different well, it's, it's kinetic energy, right? I mean, it's that uh, people watching while you're eating, you know, the parks thrive on the kinetic energy. So yeah, it, it's got to be fun in a way to go down there and feel like a rock star, be able to walk onto rides. But yeah, sooner or later, it's like this park just feels like it has lower energy, I'm guessing. So it is, it's strange, you know, because if you, if you don't know what you're missing, you don't know, right? So some people have said, oh, don't go down right now if you've never been. But I've gotten this from more than one of our listeners that, you know, my, my friends went down for the very first time, you know, since the parks reopened and they had a great 
great time, which kind of shocked me. But I, the more I step, step back and thought about it, well, yeah, because if you don't know like what it's like to meet Mickey Mouse in Town Square, then you just don't know. You know, you got a selfie with them. That's normal to them. You know, character cavalcades, normal. They don't know that they're missing corn dog nuggets at Casey's. They've never had them. <laughs> it's, it's the little things. But yeah, anybody can have a good time. It's all about perspective. And I think we're just glad to get out of our house at this point. So. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that they're doing right now that you hope that they keep? We've, you know, you mentioned the cavalcades. I've heard from more than a few people like, I'd actually be okay if they don't bring back the big parades. The cavalcades are kind of fun and they don't create this like weird congestion on Main Street twice a day or three times a day or whatever it is, right? So is there anything they're doing right now that you're like, that's really good. I really hope they keep that going forward. Yeah, I do think the cavalcades are going to stick around. I mean, I think those have been received overwhelmingly positively. So I think those will stick around. Now, I don't say that that they can't have parades. And again, I'm not in the Magic Kingdom in the middle of the afternoon, but the uh, Festival of Fantasy Parade is well done. And I've seen that a few times just when I've been in there. And it's a great parade. And a lot of people, I think there's an expectation too of what people want to check off their list when they go on a Disney vacation. And I think at some point a parade is on that list, a parade, fireworks, meeting favorite characters up close. So I I do hope that we get back to those things. I'm a fast pass proponent. I know Ricky on our show says they should get rid of fast pass forever. I don't know. I, I think you could say that now when the crowds are limited, but I like knowing, and again, it's where I'm at in my vacationing kind of timeline is that if I go into a park and I can do three headliners, maybe pick up a couple minor attractions, you know, do like a, a space, a pirates, and maybe a seven dwarves mine train, catch carousel progress, ride the TTA, maybe see the tiki room and go maybe do jungle cruise and grab a snack like that's a great day for me i don't need any more than that like that's perfect you know and that's what fast pass allows me to do one of the things i do hope they stick around with though the the 60 day adrs is interesting because i i like that because i think you have more of an idea of what you're going to be doing two months out rather than six months out so that would be nice if they kept it at 60 thing and i know a lot mm-hmm. of folks are like oh we need our six months out but no i don't need it you know so I kind of hope that they bring, you know, now that fast passes have been paused as we're big Disneyland enthusiasts. So we go to Walt Disney World. We love Walt Disney World, but we go to Disneyland a lot more being on the the West Coast. And one of the things we love about a Disneyland vacation is how laid back it is from the standpoint of both the dining that you're mentioning, but also the Max Pass system as opposed to the Fast Pass system. And yeah, so we're we're definitely at Max Pass versus Fast Pass. We go Max Pass all the way. I hear that all the time. Yeah, guests guests that have used Max Pass love, and they, they don't even care that it costs extra. Like like a Best money ever spent. Every, yeah, ever. Well, we would we would pay more for it than, <laughs> than it is if they did it at Disney World. We would do that too. I don't think I would want to go to a Disney park without some kind of Max Pass system because for us, it's it, it is it's there are these headliner rides you want to make sure you get on and you don't want to spend half your day waiting in line to get on them if you can. So and it's good yeah. for Disney because they can guarantee that you will have X amount of you know experiences. You know, it, it, Ricky always the biggest conversation we have is about Rise of the Resistance and virtual queue and she she stands firm and I kind of see her side of the the argument too. She says if she's willing to stand in line for seven hours for Rise of the Resistance, she should be able to do that because, you know, like she's paid her money to get into the park for that day. And if she wants to spend the entire day standing in line for that one experience, she should be able to do that. But again, that's bad show for Disney. It's a balance. And you're right. That's a great point though, because you know, this is a great time for Disney to have a hard reset on everything. You know, they're doing it with annual passes at Disneyland, changing how ground transportation is going to look moving forward after this year. There's just, uh, this is just an unprecedented time. And you're right. I mean, it could come back as max pass, could come back as a pay fast pass, could come back normal. I mean, if they're going to make the, I can see the boardroom, right? If we're going to make a change, now's the time to do it. So let's think it. 
I can't imagine though. I, honestly, I wouldn't wait seven. I mean, I, I love Rise of the Resistance, but I wouldn't wait seven hours for any ride. And I know that there were folks who waited, you know, eight plus hours for Hagrid's at Universal when that first opened. And I, I don't understand that. Did you see the line this morning to, uh, because we're recording this on Saturday, for uh, Gideon's Bakehouse at Disney Springs for a cookie? Oh my God, to get into the virtual queue, it was over three hours. I'm like, man, I am not waiting in that line for, I don't care what kind of cookie it is. We, we had a guest, we had a guest on, uh, we got a guest episode earlier this week. He was at Disney Springs over the New Year's Eve holiday. And he, I asked him if he'd gone to Gideon's and he said, well, there was a queue for a queue for a queue. Right. So <laughs> I got into the first queue and then found out there was a second one. And then, you know, a third one, <laughs> just like explain the order of operations to me here. But yeah, it was like five hours to get a cookie. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, you know, the, those five, all those people are not in my way when I want to go ride Space Mountain. So, well, what's funny is there is another location of Gideon's in, you know, the Orlando area that has no line. So if you've got a rental car, it's like get in your car and drive there and you can get your cookie in like five minutes. Right. So. You'll get it faster with the driving than you will if you're at Disney Springs waiting in a queue for like three or four hours. It won't have the pixie dust in it, but that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Mike, you brought up some of the changes that Disney has announced recently. And I you know, just want to ask, did you have any reaction to some of these changes? I mean, we were big Magical Express users, so we were kind of sad to see that go away. I'd say we're not too disappointed they're not going to send free magic around any longer because we've got quite the collection in our own household. Yeah, I, you know, I'm the same way on the Magic Bands. We have so many because I'm a family of four. And a lot of times on a vacation in the summer, we'll do, you know, three different resorts. So we, we ended up getting, you know, three Magic Bands for a couple weeks. We literally had probably... 150, 200 magic bands at some point. I just, when we moved a couple of years ago, I just threw a bunch of the old ones away. They're five bucks. You know what I'm saying? Like your vacation is going to cost you a couple grand probably. So five bucks isn't a big deal. So that doesn't bother me. Now, Magical Express, that bothers me. Because again, I'm the kind of traveler that I like to be, you know, we always talk about the term, the Disney bubble. I like knowing that when I check my, and this is on the 2019 days pre-COVID, I like knowing when I hit the, the airport in St. Louis and I drop my checked luggage with those magical tags on them, I know that they're going to show up in my hotel. I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about that. Like I'm just, I'm on vacation at that point, even before I've gotten in my gate at my home airport. So I love that fact. And then I just love that I didn't have to, it took a lot of the the planning equations out, out of the equation. You know, I didn't have to figure out a rental car, you know, and, and do that. Or I've caught an Uber before, which is fine. But I mean, Ubers are kind of random. You're on this nice motor coach, you know what to expect with Magical Express. That that going away, and I'm kind of cheap. I'm, I'm really cheap. So it's free. <laughs> so that going away really does bother me. And I know the private sector will step up. I mean, you are going to get to and from Orlando International to Walt Disney World. I, you know, personally, I wish they would have just added this as an add-on instead of eliminated it. Say, yep. mm -hmm. you want Magical Express? 50 bucks round trip. Because I would yeah, have, I mean, you know, it would have been like a, like a memory maker add-on or something like that. So yeah, it, it's confusing. Yeah, but I, I would have done it. But I think they have a problem with mirrors, but who knows? We'll see what goes on. Yeah, for, for, for us, it's probably less about the bus ride than it was about that luggage piece. Yeah. They've gotten so good at it, you know, over the past decade with Magical Express. I mean, it is, it's a huge perk and it's a great perk for first timers and it's a huge perk for families. You know, when you have kids that are, 
you know, preschool age, car seats and all that. I mean, you don't, you don't, you just don't have to worry about it. Or like, you know, I've had a lot of feedback from guests talking about, you know, they're single women that are going down for a race weekend, or, you know, it's like a mom and a daughter and they're not super comfortable getting in an Uber, which I get. Not everybody's coming from like New York City. You know, a lot of folks are coming from the Midwest where I'm at, you know, and we don't I mean I've only taken Ubers in Florida. I've never taken an Uber in St. Louis. I don't know if I would. Well, funny. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very foreign kind of cool thing when I go to Disney to ride an Uber because I feel like I'm, you know, some kind of a city person. But yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it took so many considerations out of it. You know, Disney mm-hmm. took care of one more question along these lines, Mike, is just the, um, you know, there's the announcement end of last week about ending the annual pass program at Disneyland in favor of some future membership offering, I think is the language they were using. Do you think there'll be a reset of annual passes kind of across the, the board? That's a great question because I do not know. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot since that announcement at Disneyland because, again, like I said, this is the opportunity for the hard reset on so many things. You know, the Disney dining plans floating out there. Will that continue? What will that look like mm-hmm. if it comes back? But yeah, with the passes, the membership thing is interesting because our six, we came back to the Six Flags thing. I know that in St. Louis, you can buy a, like a, like a season pass for the year, or you can buy a membership, which is kind of like a, it's, it's slightly less expensive, but it's an indefinite commitment out of a monthly payment. So, you know, I think that companies like these annuities, it's why all these software companies have gone to subscriptions, all the services, right? Because, you know, Apple's getting me for 15 bucks a month for my Apple music, instead of buying 99 cent, you know, songs that I have forever, they're getting me for 15 bucks a month to the steady income source. Maybe Disney's looking at something like that. Now, I will say again, because I do work in travel, so I know that Disney would prefer guests be on packages that have tickets included, the Magic Your Way tickets, because, and you've seen this over the, if you're an annual festival, you've probably seen this over the last three, four years. They A couple of years ago, they really jacked up the price of the annual pass Mm -hmm. because they wanted to incentivize you to really have to think hard, like, do I want to get an annual pass? Or if I'm just coming down for like a seven or eight night trip this year, I should just get the Magic Your Way ticket. And then when you come back, you got to get another new one and because the, the Magic Your Way tickets are front loaded in the first four days where the cost is. Yeah, Disney would like to wean everybody off annual passes because annual pass holders just aren't a huge source of income after that initial chunk that you lay down. We we know how to game the system, right? We know how to eat cheap. We know how to uh, use those those discounts on merch and dining and all kinds of stuff and get around parking. And, uh, you know, it, this would be the opportunity that annual passes change or go away. I, I hope not, but uh, we'll have to see. But I, I sure hope not as an annual pass holder. I can't. Well, I mean, I think the announcement of Disneyland is there will be something, right? So I think I can't imagine they'll go away, especially on the park on the West Coast, given the profile of annual pass holder. I, I sort of jokingly said to some friends, like if they ended annual passes in their entirety that you couldn't buy one and you had to buy park tickets, the locals would burn that park to the ground. I mean, there's there's yeah. there's no way that they're going to pay for tickets every time they want to come in. They love to just pop in for a couple hours and go home. Right. But your, your point on membership is exactly where my head went, which is like the subscription-based model. And I absolutely suspect they're headed there. I'm just going to be super curious to see if they try to apply it to both parks, because I think the profile of pass holder at those two parks is very, very different. Yeah, um, I agree. It, it's definitely some place that the locals drop in for dinner, you know, right? And go just to ride a couple. Or, I mean, it's, you don't do that at Walt. I mean, some people, I, I have friends that live right behind the Magic Kingdom, but they're not the Walt Disney World, you know, profile. They're just... They're there and they do the Disneyland kind of style dropping in, but that's not Walt Disney World. So yeah, and think about this too real quick. They tried this with Run Disney. I don't know how many people remember that, but they tried that Club Run Disney where... Uh, I'm a charter member. (laughs) I mean, you would subscribe at certain levels and you had had perks, but you had a, you know, basically you were part of a club and you... So there you go. I mean, that's that's one of those things that they were trying to eke out there, but it kind of got all eaten up with all the COVID stuff because that's right when it was starting to take effect. So they're, they're, they're thinking about it. You know that. 
Yeah. And to your point, you know, I think if you live in Orlando, you can still get some of those dining experiences without going into the parks. You don't need an AP. You can, you know, there's so many restaurants at the resorts and at Disney uh, Springs that there's really no, you're going to get better dining experiences at those places than going into the parks, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, downtown Disney is so limited at Disneyland Resort. I mean, it's 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 there right. and it's got it's much restaurants to it and people use it. But yeah, Disney Springs is expansive. You don't have to pay for a park ticket to get those experiences as a local. Yeah. You need tables in Wonderland, though, which is also suspended. So. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because with 2021, you know, because all this stuff, they're going to make these decisions pretty soon because I'm hoping that things are going to start to get back to normal this summer, this fall. I mean, they have to make these decisions and they have to make them right, because if things turn around, I mean, they could be back to 100 percent sold out resort wide in October because I know and it's hard to get a hotel that weekend of the 50th and you know they, they got to make the right calls but they have to make them soon so 2020 as a Disney fan 2021 is going to be an interesting year to see what what ways they go with a lot of these things we've already talked about oh absolutely I think that's been the most disappointing thing about what's been coming out is it's a lot of we're taking this away we're taking this away we're taking this away what is the hurry in making this announcement why not wait until to figure out what the next thing is so that you're telling people we're taking this away but we're giving you this. Yes, I, and I agree. Yeah, always balance it, right? Don't just, here's bad news, but you know, the, okay, what's the good? Well, we don't have any good news. Yeah, it's like, that's right. I mean, come up with some good news. If you're, you know, give us something. We need something. Well, Mike, let's shift over to our favorite topic, the focus of our show, Disney Cruise Line. So I got to ask you, you're, you're a parks enthusiast. I know we were talking before the show and you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, your family loves to go down and take a Disney cruise maybe once a year. Uh, how many How many Disney cruises have you been on at this point? Oh my gosh, I think if I had to guess like 16 or 17, we're I'm platinum. But yeah, probably I've been on all four ships, probably 16 or 17. The thing is, I've only done Bahamian and Caribbean cruises. That's my jam. Uh, the Panama Canal is my number one cruise I want to do someday when I retire. That's my bucket list cruise. And everybody says, you got to do Alaska, which I, I want to, but like I like steel drums and I like warm weather and palm trees, but we'll see. I'm right there with you. What's your What's been your favorite ship you've been on, Mike? Are you a fan of the Dream Class or the uh, the Magic Class? I am. I'm. I'm a. Give me the big ships. You know, I've sailed uh, the Dream, the Fantasy. Those are my jams. I've been on Freedom of the Seas with Royal Caribbean. I mean, that thing's just massive. Yeah, I. I'm not a person that sits around on a cruise. You know, <laughs> actually, I mean, if you listen to my show, you know, one of my favorite all time shows is Love Boat. And uh, <laughs> when I'm working, no, no, no joke. When I'm working all day here in the office, there's a there's an app called Pluto TV, which is just like old TV shows all the time on Roku, and they have a 24 seven Love Boat channel, so it's on all the time here in the office as I'm working. And you know, you see the the 70s stereotypical kind of chill out, hang by the pool kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people do that nowadays on cruises, but the more programming, the more opportunities I have for getting out there, meeting people, playing trivia, you know, doing a 5k when you get to a destination, going on excursions. Like I love that. I like to be active and the larger ships just have more opportunities for cool stuff. What are some of your favorite activities, Mike, on board the Disney cruises? Oh my gosh. So I, I, I never miss a trivia. I love trivia. What I tell my guests, you know, that I book, they go on their cruises that have maybe never gone or just gone a couple times. I say, you know, you're going to get the opportunity on that cruise to do things that you really can't do in real life. You know, there's, just there's weird stuff like every year we would do when my daughter was younger they had uh this thing in the middle of the afternoon where you would get together as is like teams their family would be a team they give you some vegetables you'd make a car out of those vegetables gave you a couple wheels and like some safety pins and like a you know carrot a baked potato you know and some other tools and you had to make a car out of this kind of like pinewood derby but with vegetables and they'd race them on a pinewood derby track and you know you get a little trophy you had the diaper dash that would go on in the atrium right. you know 
don't miss that. That's always fun because the kid that goes backwards or freaks out, you know, that's, <laughs> yes. that's fun. You know, you, you can do karaoke because you're probably not going to do karaoke at home. I mean, even if you have that opportunity, like silent discos. That's one of my favorite things. We did a silent disco <laughs> on the last podcast cruise. I had seen it at, at, at Epcot on New Year's Eve and I was like, that is weird. Then we did it on the cruise smaller venue, right? It's not as threatening. It's easier to get the headphones and stuff. And I mean, we had a blast. So my biggest advice on that would be get in with the cruise director staff and just kind of uh, befriend that person and just be like, what are we doing next? You know, and oh my gosh, there's so much to do. Because when we do a podcast cruise, we have a lot of private events. We do mixology classes that we rent out a bar. We do tequila tastings. I mean, <laughs> it gets a little wild, but uh, God, it's so fun. I get, oh, I'm missing cruising right now. Something fierce now that I thought of that. <laughs> yeah. So we love all of that stuff. We go around for, you know, trivia, the silent DJ party, the, you know, we do, we love to watch the match your mate and all the other adult activity shows. Yeah. That's, uh, we're the same way. I'm, I'm actually running. Brian likes to, during the day, mostly sit by the pool, maybe attend a couple of trivias, but I am like the one running around the ship doing everything. And I'm going to do on every cruise, all three midship detective agency stories. So. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just because it's such a, it's like a playground, right? I mean, you just you can't do a lot of these things back home. I mean, there's just, we could play trivia. Like there are, there's Catholic churches that have, you know, parishes that have like trivia every now and then. But we just don't go to those. But I mean, it's like right there, just go down to O'Gill's and, you know, play some trivia with some, and it, it's not even the trivia. It's just like hanging out with all these people on a cruise. It's a, you know, it's like a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock and you're, you know, having a drink and playing trivia and everybody else is back home working. I mean, it's just something great about that. It's what I love about cruising is it, me- it meets the demands of two, like, so as Sam was alluding to, I'm very much like a, I love the Caribbean cruises for like lounging by the beach, reading a book, doing a crossword puzzle, sitting in the Cove Cafe. Like I love to relax and I love to do some of the trivia and that sort of stuff, but I'm very much, how can I just relax? Cause life is so go, go, go for me in some ways. And Sam loves, she's loving running around doing everything possible on the ship. You mentioned sailing on other cruise lines, Mike, what do you think uh, Disney in terms of those other lines? So my clients, I book exclusively Disney. I, I've just come to that over the past few years. I mean, my my client load has gotten enough that I can, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to get to do that because of the podcast. But I will say the only other cruise line I've sailed is is uh, Royal. And I've done uh, Freedom of the Seas two or three times. And it's it's definitely less expensive. And it's not a bad cruise. You know, we've done seven night Caribbean cruises on Freedom. And that's that big you know, it's freedom class. Now it's not the biggest class, like Oasis or Allure, but it's it's a huge ship. And it's fun, but as somebody who, once you sail Disney Cruise Line, and I think we do this like, we again, the third time's a charm here, talking about Six Flags and Disney. It's like, once you go to Walt Disney World and you go back to your Six Flags, you say, ah, oh, God. <laughs> you know, like it's just not as themed as well. You know, like that trash can, it just doesn't match the land. <laughs> character just did that costume's just a little off Tweety Bird you know and it's it's one of those things like when I went to Six Flags before Disney it wasn't a problem but you know I went on Freedom and it was fine like they had characters they had like Shrek and you know these these other DreamWorks characters and they had a big carnival like down the mall in the middle of the ship I mean it was wild they had a casino it was fun. it was basically it was more of like being at Vegas instead of being in this very beautiful because the Disney Cruise Line ships are just they're like classic I mean, all four of them, not just the the classic ships, but all four of them just have that atrium. I mean, it almost feels like you're like, it's an opulence, you know, like I almost need a top hat issued to me when I get on board. <laughs> but when I was with Royal, it was just like, oh, it's a party. You know, it's, I'm not saying it's like Carnival. I've never sailed Carnival, but everybody tells me like Carnival's like spring break. Royal's kind of in the middle. It, it, I think of Disney as more of like an opulent kind of. Yeah, it's like a fancy hotel. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like, yeah. And even if you're in a category 11C, it doesn't matter. Who cares where you stay? You know, we're having a good time on this ship. So, right. You could be in that sort of hallway on two in an inside stateroom and uh, you still enjoy the rest of the ship, just like everybody who's in concierge does. Absolutely. I actually, we did our first podcast cruise, we did back to back. So we did a five night dream cruise with the podcast. So we had all these listeners, we had all these activities, and then we backed it up with a seven night freedom of the seas cruise because they're both sailing out of Port Canaveral and it just happened to be that the dream came in. And so we came in that same day that the freedom of the seas went out. So we just got our stuff, swim right next door to the uh, Royal, got on freedom. So we had 12 days worth of <laughs> luggage, plus all these things we had for the podcast podcast family of four now my my daughter was uh she was three the youngest one in a in, we're in 11c on two you were mentioning that the smallest stateroom and we, we had a balcony on freedom for the seven night cruise but we stayed in that the smallest stateroom on the ship with all this stuff four people three girls and I, i'm still alive barely but my wife said don't ever do that again <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame her i wouldn't stay in one of those either <laughs> I to see the virtual portholes she's like i will let you just look in somebody's room next time that's so funny. I really want to do a virtual portal. Also, we have not done that. We have not stayed in one of those inside state rooms. And that's the only reason I want to ever sail on an inside state room is just for the virtual portal. I wouldn't and, and do I it. And I keep telling her she's only sailed veranda and ocean view and she's gonna be sorely disappointed <laughs> with the virtual portal. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. will. It, it, it's, it's a TV. <laughs> <laughs> cool, but I mean, you know, portcanaverwebcam.com. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put one up in our bedroom, honey. We'll just turn the TV to an ocean channel and you'll be good. <laughs> it's, it's funny, Mike, because we had a, when we did Run Disney, the marathon weekend in January, we, we were comical because we were coming to the parks for the run weekend, then going on the cruise and then coming back. And so we were never in any one place for very long. It was like a four night stay at the parks and then a four night cruise and then like one or two nights at Riviera on the back end of the trip. And so by the time we get to Riviera and we're getting out of the whatever transportation we took to Riviera and it's like, you know, six suitcases, all of this sort of stuff. And they're like, so you're with us for two nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it's so funny because I always overpack and then I end up only like wearing half of the stuff and I end up doing laundry anyway. So yeah, that's best heck ever do laundry on a vacation. I never thought that that was a good idea. I learned that about five years ago. It changes your life. The pro tip on the cruise line is actually sending the suit out is cheaper than many dry cleaning services back on land. I don't even have a suit. I mean, I, I'm such a bum because I work from home, right? I, I never get to leave the house. I've worked from home for three years. For formal night, we did a formal night on the uh, fantasy. And like we just, my buddy Scott and I, we rented tux. We rented tuxes and they were just, bam, you know, like they're in your room. You don't have to worry about them. Throw it back in the bag and you're out of there. So yeah, it is funny. Their, their approach to formal night is very different than some other cruise lines out there. We had a guest on who was a prolific cruiser from the UK and she was describing how she got sent back to her room one night for having inappropriate footwear on some sort of cruise she was on. I was like... Well, she was on like, she was on like, uh, it was like a Viking, Viking or something. Or, it was... Or, no, it was, a, it was a Queen Mary. I think it was... Oh, uh, I, yeah, I will say... No, I did... Okay, I say that, but here's my story. One time, we were on, we were on Disney Cruise and we had a reservation for Paolo. And so, you know... Came, I didn't check anything. We've been at Walt Disney World for a week. Now we're on the ship. Somehow I forgot to pack my shoes, my my dress shoes. So the only thing I had was like sneakers and sandals. And I'm like, oh, crud. <laughs> like I can't roll into Paolo with like, you know, there's just a polo shirt and some and some khakis or something, you know, that my form, you know, just enough to, to get by. But I had no shoes. So I went up there and I asked him like, oh man, they have. Like all of a sudden they opened this. It's a mirror. No but way. They have shoes? 
they have jackets, pants, shoes, socks. They have everything. So like, what size do you need, sir? I'm like, I'm about a uh, 12. Like, oh, these are like 11 and a half. Like, good enough. I'm just going to be sitting down anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> room, put them on and uh, walked up there like a million bucks. So yeah, if you ever forget them, they, they have stuff like that. On that is a great tip. We did not know that. I mean, Brian always brings something because we like to go to, you know, Paulo and we like to go to Remy. But yeah, it, that's really good to know. I, I'm sure they probably don't have the equivalent for women, but for women, the dress code is a little bit more fluid, I would say. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I am having the the uh, the brunch, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> like I, I will go knock somebody down it, on deck three and just steal their shoes and tell them I will give you like Jack on the Titanic. Like I will borrow that jacket. <laughs> no, you know, I only need it for a couple hours. You'll get your shoes back in just a little bit. Just let me get in there and get my pizza, get my, you know, get, <laughs> it, get my sticky buns and then we'll all be good and it'll be fine. So, yeah. So, well, so Mike, it, it leads to a question on the cruise line. Like, what are some of your favorite dining things on the cruise line? It sounds like you've been to Palo and you'd love the brunch, which is our number one favorite. We're big fans of Remy. Um, love some of the rotational dining on board, but was curious what some of your favorite dining experiences on board. You know, I'm I'm pretty simple, right? I'm from the Midwest. I, to me, even going into Animator's Palette or Royal Palace or Enchanted Garden or you know what have you, the you know the the restaurants on the classic ships, that's fancy for me because we don't have a lot of fine dining in our typical everyday life. So just having you know a, a waiter, a, a server, an assistant server that are taking such great care of you in the main dining rotation, that's fine with us. Um, we always do the the Palo brunch. We we that's our kind of our splurge. Uh, because it's platinum, you get that you get that one Palo meal for free. So we take advantage of that. I have been I've toured Remy on a ship inspection with our agency uh, once, and it's beautiful. But I would try it. But my wife is very picky. She's yeah. not. She's yeah. not going to be trying crazy stuff. So if we're not going to enjoy it, I would take that for me personally. I just take that money and use it for something else. Um, yeah. Paulo's super fancy for us. So that's good enough. We do that. And we just get a kick out of being with our, and I know this kind of sounds weird, but we love being with our server and assistant server 95% of the cruises. Like we don't want to miss a night in the dining room because we feel like, you know, you build that rapport. And for the most part, it's a lot of fun being with your serving team. I mean, our typical tip for folks, like one, if you can do Palo Brunch, do Palo Brunch. Even if you're not platinum, it's the best deal on the ship for for that kind of level of service, quality of food. I mean, it is just fantastic experience. We love it. And I think, you know, if you're at all picky or not into fine dining, skip Remy altogether. You will be sorely disappointed and be paying a lot of money for something you're not going to enjoy. Whereas I think Palo has a very accessible dinner that is very well done. Lots of great stuff over there. We love Remy, but we're fine dining people. We like, you know, we, we enjoy going to Remy. We enjoy going to Victoria and Albert's, you know, on occasion. But it is a very different kind of food, a very different kind of experience. And it comes with a very different kind of cost. And so... But to your point, Mike, we live in the Seattle area and we we take Ubers. So... <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> so, so just we live in a much more urban, you know, we, we live in the suburbs, but we live in a much more urban community and we are used to our restaurant community in the city of Seattle is uh, has a very wide range and has a lot of high end options. And so we are more adventurous because that's what we're used to in our non-COVID times, but in normal times, we're, we're more used to that. Well, that gives, it gets back to Brian's point, right? With cruising, having something for everybody, like having Remy on the ship and not, you know, my, my family not partaking is totally fine. Like that exactly. is like, you know, because I know my buddy Scott and Pam, you know, and Ricky and all them from the podcast, when we do the podcast cruises, there's always a couple of groups that go up to Remy and they do the, you know, the wine pairing. And I mean, yep. 
they rave about it. They have the time of their lives. And that's the thing. And I was like, God, I spent, you know, I was down at uh, O'Gill's, you know, down at the sports yeah. bar. I had, bl- I had just as much fun as you guys. And I spent a lot less money, you know, but it, <laughs> exactly. that's what I enjoy is just hanging out in the sports pub. And like, they love that dining experience. So I, again, back to Brian's point, it's just, there's something for everybody on the ships and it's just, you got to find what makes you happy and then go with it. Exactly. Someday I'm going to do a scientific test where I send two people up to Remy for dinner. One gets the wine pairing and one doesn't. And then I want to sit them down after dinner and ask them what the experience was like. Because I, I always wonder with fine dining, when you get the wine pairing, do you leave the other end of it going, that was an amazing experience because you can't remember most of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> they so. came down after that, uh, that meal. They were all happy. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the greatest part about cruising, right? Is like, if you want to do, because I am not a drinker in my normal life. I do not, we don't go to bars. We might have like a margarita with Mexican every once, like once a month, maybe. Like at that, my wife and I have like one margarita. Like when we go on the cruise, you know, we'll do the mixology class and we'll do, this is the biggest mistake we did on our, on one of our podcast cruises. So we had a big group. So we had to do two private mixologies because we couldn't fit everybody into the bar. We were Meridian. We couldn't fit everybody in for one. So we had to do Mm. two. So of course, you know, like, I'm the host of the show, so I'm at both of them. And somebody didn't show up for the second one. So the bartender guy, the guy who was doing it, when they were behind the bars mixing them and everything, but he's like, well, he kept sliding them down. Mike, here, this one's for you because this person didn't show up, you know, and you're paying for it. I'm like, dude, you're kidding. You're killing me. And then we had, <laughs> we had tequila tasting immediately after that. So oh my that, God. it's like six shots of tequila. I, but the great, you're on a cruise ship, right? You're not driving. You're not going right. anywhere. I mean, didn't make it to dinner that night because I never drink and it wiped me out. But yeah, it's it, <laughs> do it if you're ever going to do it a cruise ship's a great great opportunity yep, we, for sure. our, on our last cruise our friend uh on the first night did not make it to dinner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was rocking hashtag drunk by sail away that was yes. uh, no this was my wife told me i was not going to dinner my buddy scott went to dinner but he got sent back by his wife uh, <laughs> he didn't make it i don't think to the entrees <laughs> he was talking nonsense it was uh, not pretty well mike two more questions here one is you know been on 16 something Disney cruises, you think like, what's a big tip you give to a first time person heading aboard Disney cruise line? So number one is, this is one I need to follow myself. Your bags will show up. Don't freak out. Cause every time I see everybody else's bags outside their staterooms, I'm like, Oh, I'm still missing two, man. We're going to, they're going to stay on the dock and I'm not going to have, they, they always show up eventually. So relax on that. You'll be fine. And if you have to wear casual clothes to the first night's dinner, it happens. I don't don't think your cruise is ruined. But, you know, kind of like I said, get in there, look at the personal navigator, look at the app. You know, the app makes it nice now. You don't want to spend a ton of time on your phone. I like being detached on a Disney cruise. You know, I like using my phone. To t- I take a bajillion pictures, but I don't buy internet. This is my one time. I don't have to look at Twitter. I don't have to check the news. You know, this is, I love cruising for what it was, you know, basically five, six, seven years ago when you were very much detached from everything. You could unplug, but also get on there. And now with the app, you can, you know, star or favorite some of the things you want to do that look exciting and it'll give you a little alert, you know, hey, this is happening in 20 minutes, you know, down in 687 or, you know, head down to evolution to to check this out. And I think, you know, a lot of those things, if you're not paying attention to the navigator or the schedule, they can kind of slip by. And then the cruises, you know, you're on your last night of the cruise, like, oh, I wish I would have done this, this and this, you know, even if you're not sure, drop in, see what it looks like, because you can always walk right out. But do the things, you know, take, take part and really jump in early because that way you won't have any regrets. So, you know, if you jump into things late, cruise is over because they go so, so fast. So get in there and enjoy every minute. 
my tip on the app is that you can see the menus for the various restaurants yes. uh, through the app. And, you know, the pro tip with the restaurants is if you're looking at the menu for the restaurant you're in and you see something in one of the other restaurants that you really want, you can ask your serving team to bring you anything that they're making that evening. There's been more than one occasion where we've had a you know a dish in one restaurant that's one of our favorites. And we're just sort of like, well, I see that they're serving it again tonight. Can you bring us one of those? <laughs> so Yeah. Um, sticky date pudding. Come on. I have that like at least three nights in a row. Yes. Uh, the creme brulee, uh, my wife, had, this was one time we went on a spring break cruise with just my little, my youngest daughter. My my oldest daughter was in high school. She was playing soccer. So she stayed home. We couldn't go to Palo, but we kept telling our um, our server in the in the normal restaurant rotation that, man, we wish we'd go to Palo because she loves that creme brulee dessert. It was delivered to our stateroom the last night. We got to eat it on our veranda. So I mean, uh, it, it, it nice. hard to kind of surprise you and, and make things happen. They can't make everything happen, but that's a great tip. You know, don't be afraid to ask because it gives them an opportunity to kind of shine. Well, and the other thing that always drives me crazy is if people are, if you're having a bad experience, speak up, they will correct it. Don't wait until the end to complain. And how bad is life when you're on a cruise ship? I mean, anyway, (laughs) I mean, come on, man, it's the best, it's the best week of your life. Okay. Mike, one last question here on cruising, which is just, we got the Disney wish coming out. What are you hoping to see, Mike, on board the Wish? What's your wish for the Wish? That's interesting because I love the the current you know slate of ships, and I just you know I, I hope that again they they push the envelope, right? You know, with the Dream Class, uh, the Aqueduct came out, and at first I was like, oh my gosh, that ruins the aesthetics of the ship. Because the one thing about a Disney Cruise Line ship is that if you when you sail with Disney Cruise Line, you go into port. And you're in there with like Royal and, and Carnival and, you know, Holland or whoever's in there with you. You know, you're always like, I'm, I'm glad I'm getting back on that ship. That ship is awesome. Like it looks pretty. Like it's a, it's a classic looking, sharp looking ship. And when I saw, when I heard about the Aqueduct, I'm like, oh my God, they're putting a roller coaster type tube all over the top deck. That's going to be terrible, but it isn't. And it's fun. It's so unique. And I love the Aqueduct. I wish the line wasn't as long, but it's fun. I hope they continue to take what they've learned. And we've seen this a lot in the last decade, right? They've taken the hotels, say Pop Century's refurb right now. I know that they took what they learned from the Disney Cruise Line ships and put that right into those new rooms because now you have storage under the beds. You have very modular furniture. You got the bed that folds down into a table. Uh, you have lots of efficiencies and cubby holes and, and charging ports all over the place. And that's what they learned from the, because they have to be so efficient on the cruise ships because space is at a, just at a premium all the time. And I, again, they've taken, you know, experiences from parks and moved them over to cruise lines. So I hope they continue to do that. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to have in store for us, but I'm excited. You know, I can't wait to hear more about it and definitely get on that ship and see what they have for us because they can really step it up again. And I think it, I think they will. Yeah, no, that's true. I actually, it would be really interesting to me on the aqueduct front if they brought a virtual cues to the aqueduct. I would love to see yes. be able to say like, I want to ride the aqueduct at this time, right? And then you don't have to wait in that really long line on the back of the ship. Um, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, your feet is scorching, burning, waiting for the aqueduct. You're like, okay, do I want it? Do I want to make that walk up to the steps? Like, okay, let me wet my feet real wet. Okay, here I go. <laughs> No, and that's a that's a simple fix. I, I would imagine that would happen. That should probably happen when the ships come back. That's not hard. Well, at this point, we're going to shift over to the last part of our show, Mike, which is rapid fire. That is Sam's favorite part of the show. So I'm going to throw it over to her. Yes. Okay. So, Mike, the only rule of rapid fire is there are no rules of rapid fire. Favorite Disney or Pixar character? Buzz Lightyear. Nice. Favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Toy Story. <laughs> I think we have a theme going here. <laughs> yes, we do. Favorite Disney song? Oh, let's see. So many of them. I would go, the prettiest I think is Bella Note. Yeah. Lady and the Tramp. Nice. Okay. Favorite Disney 
park. I guess Magic Kingdom. I still haven't been to Disneyland, guys. I know. I'm oh terrible. Oh my God. Oh, I'm a terrible Disney fan. I've never been out to the West Coast. I got to get okay. out. Okay. Well, you need to remedy that. You'll love it from, well, assuming they keep most of what was there before they close. <laughs> like it's, it's so relaxing and they have, they have several rides at the Disneyland park that I think just below the Magic Kingdom versions out of the water. Most Pirates of the Caribbean, most notably. But yeah, I'll be out there as soon as we get the chance. Okay. Your favorite Disney resort. It's always my last one I've stayed at. I would say right now, the Riviera, even though yeah. I stayed with my buddy Scott because he's DVC, I didn't pay. So it was a lot cheaper that way. But yeah, <laughs> Riviera is pretty sharp. I enjoyed it. We own there. That's our, that's one of our home resorts, that and yeah. Grand Cal. We love, we love Riviera. Okay. Favorite Disney Dining. Oh, this one's easy. Olivia's at Old Key West. Oh, yeah. yeah nice. I've heard you talk about them a lot. You, Your show is actually the reason we had scheduled to go to Olivia's on one of our trips. And then I forget, we ate someplace the night before and woke up that morning. And we're like, I'm so stuffed. I can't even imagine <laughs> breakfast this morning. Yeah. All right. Favorite classic ride or attraction? Space Mountain's my overall favorite attraction. I don't know if it's classic. I mean, it's getting there 75. Yeah. So it's yeah. pretty cool. I, I'd say that's classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. Favorite modern ride or attraction? Here's kind of a funny one. Navi River Journey. I like it what? better. Than, I like it better than Flight of Passage. What? <laughs> Go home. All right. I'm canceling this show, the rest of this rapid fire. Flight of Passage. No. Oh, I, I can't take the motion sickness. Right. Oh, funny. Do you like Soren? I love Soren. I okay. love don't like Flight of Passage. Yeah, well, I feel like they're similar, but there is obviously way more motion in Flight right. of Passage because you're sitting on the thing. But that's so funny. I love, I don't like Navi River at all. And I love Flight of Passage. No, it's the little things. Like I like the little frogs hopping on the little leaves mm -hmm. above. I mean, it's just, it, there's a lot to see. Yeah, it is beautiful. Okay, favorite Disney snack. Okay, so here it is. It's the Whoopie Pie at Sunshine Seasons. Okay, favorite Disney souvenir. My overall favorite souvenir is probably, well, the ones I like the most are the Run Disney medals. Uh, mm -hmm. Just because, like, you know, it, it's something that you have to earn. Like, you have to do some work and you have a memory associated with it. Like, you remember getting up early, you remember all the miles you put in before, and you remember the race. So, I, it's, that's kind of like always my favorite souvenir is the medals. But kind of the more traditional souvenir is my monorail that I put under my Christmas tree every year that I got years and years ago because it just reminds me of being there. I love oh, it. Oh, that's a great one. Okay, I have one last. Last question, which is a favorite Disney vacation memory. Oh my gosh, I have so many, so many, so many. It was it, obviously getting back to the cruise. It was our very first podcast cruise. It was just seeing, you know, it was all the logistics of getting everybody booked and, you know, working with Disney Cruise Line. Pam Forrester did a lot of that for us, you know, scheduling, you know, the mixology classes set up, getting the venue set up for the podcast recording. But then the morning came and I was like, oh, I was like so sick to my stomach because I was so nervous. And then we got to the uh, Port Canaveral and you get to the Disney Cruise Line terminal. And of course, you know, I'm one of those people if you're not an hour early, you're late. Like I'm always <laughs> way early for everything. So this was before the boarding groups even. And so, you know, you get into the port, the the terminal and as I saw folks, you know, trickling in that we had been talking on message boards and planning and all this for literally probably nine, 10 months. It was the morning, right? We're in the terminal. Everybody's hugging. Everybody's excited. We had shirts. We were all matching. And <laughs> that was probably the happiest day. One of the happiest days of my life because it was like, you know, the podcast was legitimate. Like we, we got to do something that I never thought we'd get to do. And I'd been on enough cruises that I knew the next five nights were going to be incredible because we had all these events planned. And I know cruising is fun in general. And cruising is always more fun with friends. 
You know, mm-hmm. as, as much fun as it is as a family, when you can have folks there with you, cruising is way better when you have a group. And it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. So that's one of the memories I'll never forget. Like, and we got, and for some reason, we got picked this family of the day that cruise too. So <gasps> you got, did? Uh, yeah. It, it, what it was, was the lady checking us in was from our hometown. And so we struck oh. a conversation with her. We're like, oh, you're from St. Louis. Yeah, you're from St. Louis. And so we talked and that, I guess that worked. But yeah, we got to get on the ship first. And I was like, oh, this is the best. Yes, yeah, so I'll never forget that. Because there's just, there's nothing like the beginning of a Di- Walt Disney World trip. And there, but there's nothing, nothing like the beginning of a Disney cruise. Like when you know it's all in front of you. Oh, I better. can't, I can only imagine that being family of the day would be, just be like best day ever. I mean, we 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 aspire some someday to be lucky enough to be chosen as family of the day. I honestly think that would be like just the coolest experience. So I'm super jealous of that. And you want to know the craziest thing is we got picked the second time. No. And so we declined it though because we told them like we have already been family of the day and pick somebody else because we know that it's awesome. Because yeah. Like one of things like what are the chances? You know, we never thought we could pick lightning struck twice. We're like, no, we can't. No. That's but, amazing. I, I will say both times matching shirts that we created for the cruise. So that doesn't hurt. <laughs> I know people don't like to wear them, but I mean, it paid off. So there you go. Well, I, I will echo. There's nothing like waking up on cruise embarkation day and seeing the app countdown to zero and yes. know that you're getting ready to get on yes. a Disney cruise. It's amazing. So yeah, I will echo that. Mike, it's been great having you on the show this evening. You're, um, you're, as we've alluded to several times throughout the show, not only are you a podcaster, but you're a Disney travel agent with Magic for Less Travel. And so how can folks find you, reach out to you if they want to plan their next fabulous Disney adventure? Because we are not travel agents on our show. So how can folks find you and connect with you in the podcast? No, no worries. I love helping people plan their, uh, you know, Walt Disney World trips, Disney Cruise Line trips. Like I say, you know, we go off and we know what's going on. You can just catch me. Uh, just go over to the magicforless.com. All the information's there if you need any, you know, resort guides, anything like that. And uh, you can always email me at Mike at BeOurGuestPodcast.com and uh, we'll get in touch. But yeah, I'd appreciate that. And it's uh, it's always fun. It's been, it goes so fast. It's like a, your podcast is like a cruise, right? I mean, it just started. <laughs> we're at the end. Or what happened? Like, you know, it takes forever and a, a podcast recording goes by in five minutes. I, I sure appreciate the time because it's been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Mike. He is such a positive influence in the Disney community and the Disney podcasting community. So I really encourage you head over, check out his show, the BR Guest Podcast. It's a fantastic show. Comes out three, four times a week. He's got listeners on there with tips. He and his co-host just put on a great show. Lots of great content that they push out, including a live listener call-in show, which is also just really amazing. So lots of great tips. If you're planning your next trip to the park, highly, highly recommend checking out the BR Guest Podcast. With that, we don't have any Apple podcast reviews to read on the air this week. So again, you know, please, 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 if you're listening to the show and you're enjoying it, head over to Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, your iPad, wherever you're listening. If you're an Apple user, leave us one of those five-star reviews. Written reviews are really, really helpful too. And surfacing our podcast to people who might be looking for a Disney Cruise Line podcast like ours. So if you're enjoying it, let people know. With that, I do want to, as always, thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content or join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group for conversations with like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like you. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views 
expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.